American cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead is often credited with the quote, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Looking for some guidance and walking the path of faith today? Well, consider us your spiritual GPS. Our top-notch spiritual directors are here to help you, and I am your host, Patrick Conley. Well, I'm not sure that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens is the only thing that has ever changed the world, but I do know this. Amongst a sea of disciples following after him, Jesus chose 12 to be apostles. And even amongst those 12, he had an inner three. And even with unlimited options before him, Jesus seemed to go with the small group model. So that alone should make it well worth considering for our spiritual lives today. Have you ever been part of a small group? Back in my Protestant days, small groups were a staple. In campus ministry, we had small group Bible studies and separate small group prayer groups. In my time within a non-denominational evangelical congregation, we had a Sunday school class of young adults that would definitely fit into the small group category. And even in my time in Anglican Seminary, we had a core group of about six guys and various reading groups of only a few people. And then on becoming Catholic, small groups, and particularly those focused on growing in faith together, they seemed a bit more sporadic. I would hear of various Bible studies or book groups going on, but nothing that seemed integral to my parish's life. And sure, there's the parish council, staff meetings, various committees, and the sort— but all these had a more functional rather than a spiritual bent. But now, having been in the Catholic Church for a while, I know that for some parishes, small groups are absolutely indispensable in carrying out their mission. Others employ small groups, but they're not quite as central, and still others seem only to have those small groups that arise somewhat organically from within the minds and wills of lay people who desire them. Well, today on the program... We're drilling down into the nitty-gritty of small groups, their benefits and their challenges, and how they can help transform parish life and your own spiritual journey. Joining us as our spiritual director today is Father John Paul Erickson. Father Erickson is the pastor of Transfiguration Catholic Church in Oakdale, Minnesota, part of the Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis. Father Erickson, good to be speaking with you, my friend. Patrick, always a pleasure. Grateful for the chance, and hope you are keeping warm on this brutally cold day in the beautiful Twin Cities. <laughs> yeah, well, in the Upper Midwest, we are experiencing a bit of the uh, the resurgence of winter for sure. So, um, yes, oh, uh, oh, it's off. I mean, heaven forgive me. Heaven forgive me. Nobody <laughs> should complain, but it provides us many chances to offer up our redemptive suffering. <laughs> that is, that is true. It makes you that frigid air just makes you know you're alive. That's the way I try Ooh. to look at it, anyway. But yeah. Well, very good. Um, and we're talking about this. I mean, I don't know. I've I don't think I've ever done a show on this before. So I'm excited to be talking about small groups. And um, I'm just looking even at Matthew four, like the calling of the first disciples, that sort of thing. That I mean, am I off here? That Jesus seemed to go with a small group model. No, you're absolutely right, Patrick. For sure. Uh, it's rather kind of astounding when you think about it, of all the different models that Jesus could have used. I mean, he is God himself. He chooses 
as you mentioned, and as the Gospels itself relate, 12 specific dudes. He calls specific men together, calls them by name uh, from the group, from the from the band following Jesus, or in the case of Matthew, the tax collector, he goes and finds him. Uh, but then, even amongst that, those 12, there there's even a smaller group of Peter, James, and John. And this clearly was a deliberate choice of the Lord. This is The Lord doesn't do anything by accident. And he didn't simply preach to the masses. He didn't simply perform miracles for all to be seen. He formed around himself a band of friends. And I think that's an incredibly important part of this whole discussion. Small groups, people can hear that term. I can hear that term. And one can immediately assume it's a program. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a specific kind of parish effort. And, and oftentimes it needs to be to actually have it happen. But the fact is we're really talking here about Christian friendship. And uh, this is following the model of the Lord, certainly. But even, if I may say so, even kind of more fundamentally, even going even back farther, uh, we hear in the book of Genesis, man is not meant to be alone. That's not simply a, a statement about romantic love. That's a statement about the fact that we are communal uh, political beings in the, in the ancient sense of that term. We're beings meant to, to live in community with others. The unfortunate fact is, Patrick, is that for far too many Catholics, and again, I am first in line here, our Catholic faith um, is can become rather private. And I think part of that is because we are such a we're such a sacramentally based church, and so we can get into the temptation of thinking our faith is primarily we come to church, we get communion, we go home. You know, we come to church, we do this activity, we do that activity in terms of the sacraments, and then we go home. And what small groups, I think, have the power to do is really to take what we receive in the sacraments, a high point of our faith, and to live it, and to live it with other people, to live it with other people, because with other people is exactly where we love and where we grow holy, with other people, as Jesus and the book of Genesis teach us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, great introduction to it. You know, as you were speaking there, Father, the verse that jumps to my mind is, iron is sharpened by iron, one sharp, one person oh, sharpens yes, another, right? I mean, there, there is that. I mean, that's one of the advantages of, of making sure that our faith is a, is a communal thing and not just an individual thing. But we need, we need others in our lives. We certainly do, and, and we need it for, for personal development, you know, just to kind of grow us in our humanity. But within our faith, you know, our, we are saved in and through the community of the church. We, we need to remember that very, we need to be reminded of that quite consistently. It, Jesus saves us not, if you might, you might imagine, just sort of Jesus, me and Jesus. He saves us through the community, through the community of the church. Our reception of Holy Communion is not only a, a sign of our communion with God, it's a sign of our communion with our brothers and sisters. And the parish, you know, as, as a particular manifestation of that community, really ideally, ideally should be a, a community of communities, a community of families. And the family really is kind of the, the primordial uh, you know, natural small group. It's it's designed right into our right into our into our being, into our phys, you know physiological makeup. Every human being is born into a small group. I mean, right there, we see it on the natural level, um, and and the the graces and the teachings of the church all build upon those natural foundations. Grace builds on nature. We begin in a family, and the the church herself is is the continuation of that, the full manifestation of what family life is meant to be. And that's a small group. That's a small group right there. Yeah, 
No, it's a good point. And well, kind of variations on a theme here, Father, but uh, since you already mentioned some of these things, it seems to me that our American society, uh, particularly, I think some of the and, and really what we've maybe grown up hearing and kind of, if not explicitly, then more implicitly been influenced by. It seems like there are a lot of influences that kind of emphasize the individual, you know, the kind of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps type of thing and, uh, and you know, setting your own dreams and goals and then working to achieve them. And while I wouldn't ever say that those are completely and utterly, um, you know, devoid of any kind of, of, of meaningful meaningness, meaningfulness, but... Um, but yet, nonetheless, uh, do you think of other things that we might be a little bit um, having to keep in check when we're thinking about the idea of small groups? Oh yes, absolutely. Well, I even I even think Patrick about some of our some of our efforts in evangelization as Catholics, huh. and it seems to me, you know, we we emphasize a lot on books and on material, and now more so nowadays, videos, which you can watch, and explanations, and wonderful podcasts, and wonderful radio programs that, that people can listen to as individuals. Yeah. But I, the danger in that, I think, is that the faith can become an intellectual exercise. It becomes something to talk about. And I, I think we need to do a much better job as Catholics in emphasizing the radical importance of Christian community in learning the faith, in learning the faith. Uh, two examples I want to bring about, up about this. Uh, one is actually something you're very familiar with. When we were at the cathedral together at, at, as a convert for yourself and then later on as the director of the program, I think the Cathedral of St. Paul manifests beautifully the importance of community in the RCA program, that it's not just a matter of going and reading a book or hearing a, a lecture from, from the, the priest or the deacon or whomever, uh, but really you're learning, you're learning to love Jesus together in community, how radically important that is. The other, the other place where this is happening is, if I may say, within our own archdiocese. You know, we're part of a a, a, a local synod process. This is distinct from the from the universal synod, but the local synod process. And Archbishop Hebdes called our local church, the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, to really embrace a culture of small groups, mm-hmm. because history has shown, experience has shown, kind of gets back to that initial quotation that you gave from Margaret Mead, I think, that, you know, for, for the faith to really blossom and for us to renew the church, our parishes, the world— we need to do this in community. We need to bond together with others, which is hard. It's a heck of a lot harder than reading a book. It's a heck of a lot harder than watching a video because you actually have to show up for people. You actually have to listen to people. <laughs> true. You actually yeah. have to, to, be, to be burdened by their concerns. And that means you've got to stretch. That means you actually have to love. That actually means you've got to be holy. Uh, and that's that's massively important. A final point on this, I promise you. I, I think it, I think it was Dostoevsky. I think, and, and maybe Crime and Punishment. I don't know. One of the characters says, you know, the more I love humanity, the less I love individual men. We we can we can abstract things so easily, and and we can think about the faith in these beautiful terms, these flowering languages of the saints, and the and these wonderful lectures given by great evangelists like Bishop Barron. But then we actually encounter our neighbor in, in the in the parking lot. We actually have to talk to someone about their struggles in their home life in our small group. And then we realize, oh, this actually has to be lived. I can't just think about it. I actually have to live it. Small groups are an essential part of that. Christian friendship is an essential part of that. Oh, oh very good. Well, 
I am uh, I'm beginning to be more and more convinced not that I needed much convincing in this direction anyway father but uh, I am I'm looking forward to our continued conversation but let's open it up for our listeners now as well if you have had some small group experiences that have been really helpful in your own spiritual life and your own relationship with the Lord give us a call join the conversation triple eight nine one four nine one four nine our toll-free studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters again that number is eight eight eight. Nine one four nine one four nine. Maybe you have questions about how to be a better small group member or how to get a small group going. Uh, there, are, those are welcome as well at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Or maybe you've had not a great experience with a small group and you have questions about well, how do I give it another shot? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine or our email address innerlife at relevantradio dot com. Father, excellent beginning to all this, and it is such a staple, it's a fundamental, and I love the point that it needs to be lived, their faith. And you're right. I mean, um, yeah, I, I in my in my own comfortable living room with my breviary at my side, my spiritual reading, and, and perhaps, you know, my iPad so I can watch some videos uh, on the faith, these types of things are... Yeah, they they feed and and maybe and left unchecked, as you said before, they can move us into this more. Yep, this is something that it's an intellectual exercise, but our faith is meant to be lived out. And maybe specifically in this Lenten season, um, we have prayer, we have fasting, but we also have that alms giving that uh, um, comes about, and that those alms might be our own our treasure, but they also might be our time. Yeah. Spot on, and, and and sometimes that's the most that's the most difficult sacrifice of all. I, I know yeah. that's a tendency within my own heart. Uh, I am so jealous of my own time. Part of that, certainly, I, I have a, a very full life as a pastor, of course. But part of it, frankly, is I'm just selfish, and I'm a son of Adam, and I, I like to be in control of my own schedule, and I like to be available to people when I want to be available. And part of the habits of small group formation, and all I mean by that is just being faithful to it, showing up, being present to people, is that is that we, we, we are strengthening better habits of being better people. I want to, again, reiterate that there are many parishes, you know, especially here in the Archdiocese that I'm familiar with, that are really trying to make a go of this, including my own at Transfiguration. But we don't have to have necessarily some small group ministry at our parish, or we don't, it doesn't have to be something formal. I really believe, sincerely, a small group can be as simple as once once a week or once every couple of weeks or even once a month, I think about really busy parents, you know, what's possible. You just make a point to get together with fellow Catholics, fellow Christians, and you reflect together on serious things mm-hmm. and about and, and you're vulnerable with one another and you share with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a number of experiences of small groups in my life and, and I've always found them challenging, Patrick. It's not something which is easy for me. And I'm I'm engaging in it this year, uh well this this Lent season because of our synod process. And uh, it was funny, you know, I, I made the the pitch from the pulpit about a month and a half ago in preparation for Lent where Archbishop Hebda, our own Archbishop, has really called all, all, all Catholics of the Archdiocese to engage in small groups. And a, a parishioner who, who knows me very well came up and said, now, Father, I will sign up for a small group if you sign up for a small group. Oh, wow. And I thought, and I thought hey, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. And so I attended my first session yesterday Group of, a group of fellows here at the parish who are all wonderful men, just trying to live the faith, and it was a beautiful first night. Um, but it's not it's not something which I would naturally be drawn to because again, I I like many people, you know, I I can draw away and I want to go into my own headspace, and I'm so grateful, really, really, I mean that for this opportunity to grow in this. Um, 
But there have been other experiences wrapping up here. I've I've been a part of uh, pre-support groups, which are another form of of small groups. Hmm. And just to be a little bit vulnerable here, Patrick, you know, I... I don't think thinking back upon those those years in which I was part of that that pre support group, it was it was always as beneficial as it could have been. And the reason for that was because for for a small group again, a, a group of Christian friends to really flourish, you gotta you gotta share and you gotta share real parts of your life. And that's another challenge of small group. If it's gonna become what it's meant to be, uh, you gotta be willing to unveil a little bit. Um, you can't just talk about a book. That's important. But if you if it's really going to be a place of Christian friendship, you actually have to share your life, and that is hard, and that requires great effort and patience on the part of all people. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent point, Father, and I appreciate that. And uh, we can get into more about uh, just vulnerability and how we how we go about that in uh, just a minute. I think after after we uh, let's let's take a phone call here first. Luke is calling in from California. Good morning, Luke. Thanks for calling the Inner Life. Welcome. <laughs> Good morning. I just wanted to uh, mention a quick uh, testimony I have about small groups because uh, my dad was a part of a men group, men's group, and uh, when I started to get closer with God, it's kind of like this men's group that really brought me deeper into a relation with not only God but my father. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a constant reminder of gratitude and love, and um, weekly I'll just get this kind of, it's almost like a, a, a the community kind of refreshes and reminds you what, what God has really given us, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. That's that's a wonderful testimony, and I hear many such reflections. Uh, just a very moving to hear that kind of generational power that that can have and that connection. Um, yeah, many many times the people that in my life that I find are taking the faith most seriously, most oftentimes are involved in some kind of small group, some kind, however that may be defined. But they have a group of friends that they are faithful to, and that hold them accountable. Uh, it's it's rather frequent. And uh, wonderful, wonderful call. Thank you for sharing that beautiful testimony. Yeah, I appreciate it, Luke. Thank you for the testimony. We are looking for testimonies of how the how a small group has helped you to grow closer to our Lord and closer to the people around you, maybe particularly in your parish, or, hey, even in your family. Do you talk about serious spiritual things within your family group? We'd love to hear that as well. Give us a call and join the conversation, 888 Again, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Talking about small groups today with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. More of the conversation coming up right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on relevantradio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Hope you're planning on joining us all of Relevant Radio. We're going to be at the National Eucharistic Congress this summer from July 17th to the 21st in Indianapolis. I hope you can join us and we can all show up for Jesus together. And we should, I think it's going to be a, a, a fantastic event of revitalizing uh, 
our devotion to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. If you're having any questions about how to get there, Relevant Radio can help with that. Just go to relevantradio.com slash travel, and there's a whole bunch of options there that are available for you, relevantradio.com slash travel. Let's all show up for Jesus together. Talking about small groups today with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. Father Erickson, uh, well, you talk about the Eucharistic Congress. That is likely not going to be a small group. But, <laughs> but let's, let's hope not, not anyway. Right. <laughs> but but it does bring something to mind, too. You know, we were kind of looking at small groups in opposition to the individualism that we can sometimes see even, even creep into our faith. But there's also maybe um, a direction towards the massive crowds that also kind of steal away some of the elements of relationship and love. Because when I find myself lost in a sea of people— it doesn't necessarily place any undue requirements on me to love either. And so I think that's one of the things maybe that, that we need to look at is that I don't have to be vulnerable, for example. I don't have to share my life when there's a whole mess of people around me. Yeah, wonderful insight. I think you're quite right. You know, these sorts of massive events, and I'm not ju- just speaking about the Eucharistic Congress, which I think is beautiful, historic, and I would encourage all anyone who can to attend. I think it's yeah. going to be marvelous. Yeah. Uh, but you're, I think you're exactly right. There there's a there is a real danger there of losing oneself in the crowd, and um, I think about the sacred scriptures, and there were many many cases where the Lord does preach to the crowds, obviously, and perhaps even perform signs for the crowds. Yeah. But I think about those moments within the scriptures where Jesus draws individuals to Himself, even that poor blind man, you know, who he who he takes off by himself and pokes in the eye and smears mud in his eyes and you know breathes on him and and uh, these moments of encounter where it's just Jesus and the individual or or probably more to our point of today's conversation you know think of the transfiguration event we just heard about this past weekend yeah it's not it's not the entire you know it's not the whole body of followers of Jesus that it witnesses this transcendent event it's his small group <laughs> it's Jesus and his three three uh, buddies if you will and that was deliberate by the Lord, these more personal encounters. Yeah, these, these big kind of religious events, they, they, have, they have pluses and minuses, don't they? They, mm-hmm. they, can, they can be powerful mountaintop experiences where we, where we experience the, the thrill of being a part of something bigger than us. I've, I've seen, I'm sure you have too, these wonderful videos of, from youth conferences where people are showing the video of 30,000 kids praying the, the Salve Regina together. Profoundly moving, very yep. moving. Yep. The challenge, of course, becomes one week later when those kids go home. And exactly. When they don't have those, those massive events, can it be easy to, to forget what has happened? If, if there's a small group format of some kind, of some kind, there can be, there can be infrastructure that can allow for that power to continue in a more sustained and directed way. Mm-hmm. And there's not a doubt in my mind, but what the organizers of the Congress and really indeed of the whole revival that what are in the minds of our of our bishops, our clergy, our laity who are involved that way is precisely that, that they would take this mountaintop experience, but then it would start to um, really start all these revivals within our parishes as well, within our families, within the small groups that we are part of. Yes, spot on. And, and that really is, it seems to me, the heart of the renewal. Of course, right. an enormous part of this effort is to, is to remember the, the, the astounding claim of the Church that this is the very body and blood of Jesus, but that moves us to become the body and blood of Jesus exactly. in our actual concrete 
experiences of our lives and our families that sometimes are complicated and awkward and not, you know, not a leave it to beaver episode. You know, we actually have to live <laughs> in the real world. Yeah. And um, these are, you, you might think of them as kind of moments of sort of a spiritual power up, uh, you know, but, but once you've got that power up, you gotta, you gotta go down the mountain and you gotta walk with the Lord as he carries his cross. So, yeah. Yeah. um, I think your insight's an excellent one, and uh, we need to be we need to be aware of that as as we continue to organize these big massive events, which are important, but but do have real limitations. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, uh, you mentioned the uh, one final comment before we take a phone call here, Father, is that uh, you mentioned the Transfiguration as a small group: Jesus, Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John. That's <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, pretty powerful team, huh? small group right there. That's a pretty <laughs> good team. A, yeah, man, oh man, they're yeah, not talking about Sunday football. Yeah, that's right. Probably not. Probably not. Let's go back to the phones now. John is calling in from Portland, Oregon. Good morning, John. Welcome to the Inner Life. Good morning, Father. Josh, thank you for your vocations. You do wonderful work. Um, When you open this up, you made a comment, and I just wanted to make a statement. In my youth, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in South Korea. And uh, when you live outside of your culture, you start to think, gee, what makes me different? Remember, we're the people of life, liberty, and the pursuit of individual happiness. So there's a really strong individuality just baked into our culture. I'm participating this year for the first time in an Exodus 90 program. It's absolutely Mm, wonderful. And it's been refined. You know, some of the guys I'm studying with have done this for four or five times. This is my first time around. But we're getting a, a real deep uh, intro into Benedictine spirituality. Mm-hmm. The issue about men getting together, getting together and being vulnerable, I think, is is a challenge, and it's really a wonderful process. And I want to say, if I just encourage as many people as I can to get involved in programs like this. Mm-hmm. It's a great call. I've I've not participated in Exodus ninety myself, but boy, there have been any number of of parishioners and friends, uh, people that I really admire who have embraced this program, and it and it's been literally life changing. And uh, I'm I'm glad to hear another endorsement. I think I think the caller's comment about our U.S. culture is spot on and couldn't be more pertinent. You know there. There are so many good things about our about our culture as U.S. citizens. So many good, even even now with all the challenges. But we are founded upon you know this sort of dynamism, this kind of tension between the importance of local community uh, gathering together, but also kind of individual effort. And you know we can forge our own destiny, and we can be who we want to be. And if we just grit our teeth, uh, we ourselves can make it happen. And uh, I have I have not traveled as much as many other people, but I, I don't think that same attitude is certainly as strong in other cultures. And in other cultures, there is a greater emphasis, I think, upon family life and upon the local community and neighborhoods that I think we could learn a lot from. Uh, other cultures, other other countries have their own problems. It's not to say there's there's any perfect place, but we I think I think just on the purely natural level, we have to learn more community skills. And on the faith level, it's absolutely necessary. So great call, uh, excellent points. Yeah, yeah. thank you, John. Thank you for the phone call and the testimony as well. If you have a testimony about how, how a small group has helped you grow in, in your intimacy with the Lord in your own spiritual life, please give us a call at 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, one of the things that uh, in John's call that it kind of brings up there is that there is this 
this role of accountability. We were talking about vulnerability before, kind of sharing life. We got to share life, which you admitted, and and I admit is not it's not easy. It's not a it's not just a natural. It doesn't flow easily from us. But there's also, and this can't this isn't always easy either. Is that holding others accountable, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons we get involved in these yeah, problems. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry. No, but, that's fine. But, that, but, but you're, but you're touching right on some things that I myself have grappled with. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah. And that goes, of course, both ways, you know, in, in a small group, you have to have the courage to be able to challenge your brother or your sister in that group. And that, that depends upon a lot of trust, uh, and to, for the other person to know I'm delivering this, I'm delivering this out of real love for you. It's not to win an argument. It's not to shame you. It's because I care about you. That that demands a lot of work to build up that trust where someone can receive criticism or, you know, where were you last week? Or, you know, I, I don't really feel like you're giving your prayer life the effort that the Lord wants you to. These can be challenging things to say to people, even people that we love very much. But then the flip side is, yes, we have to be able to receive that. And um, that requires a lot of a lot of self-knowledge, a lot of humility, a lot of vulnerability, and it's a growth process. Um, mm-hmm. We have to. We, I think. I think we have to allow ourselves a little bit of grace to, to grow into that. Um, and it takes time for I think for a group to develop where it's able to do that well. But you're spot on. It's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. And it's something which I grapple with myself. Yeah, yeah, and but but even with that being the case, that it's so necessary. I like what you said there, Father. That it, just a good reminder that it does take time for this stuff to happen. So if we're just getting a small group going, if this is the first time that this group of people to go together, I mean, it's maybe not advisable for <laughs> sharing sharing the most intimate, you know, uh, struggles and challenges that one faces in one's life. Yeah. Yes, spot on. And and yeah, we we have, to, we have to allow the group to go through sort of a natural growth process. And and a huge part of that is growing in, in trust and in knowledge of one another. There has to be some sort of common understanding of what the group's supposed to be. You know, we got to kind of establish some ground rules. Um, and yes, we we sh- the the first meeting we shouldn't go into, you know, expect or demand that there be some deep dive into the into our spiritual psychoses. No, don't don't start with the deep water. You know, again, grace builds on nature. Think of the natural progression uh, of most things. They begin slow, they pick up pace. They begin shallow, they go deeper. Follow that format and be yeah. patient with the process. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I like that. Let's go back to the phones. Mary is calling him from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Mary. Welcome to The Inner Life. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that uh, small groups has always been, uh, at church, has always been a really great strength in it for me. Um, I belong to a moms and tots group when, I, when my kids were very young, so our kids played together and we moms shared our faith. And then later, a couple at our church um, had a gathering at their home every Sunday evening uh, with a Bible study. And then we just, again, were able to share our faith and in a nice, intimate setting. Uh, and now where I live, the uh, deacon at our church has formed a cenacle for Apostles of Divine Mercy. Mm-hmm. So we oh, get beautiful. together. Um, 
Oh, it's wonderful. We get together a couple of evenings a month and um, we, uh, again, we learn so much and, and it's just been such a way to strengthen my faith. But I do agree with you that there needs to be a format uh, rather than just, oh, let's just get together and talk about the Bible because then we yeah. just tend to diverge and talk about everything else. So uh, so anyway, I just wanted to say that it's, I, I love the idea of small groups. It's less intimidating to be in such a small, uh, intimate setting and, and it's uh, a great way to strengthen and learn uh, in our faith. That's wonderful, Mary. Thank you. Another beautiful testimony. Uh, powerful these things can be. Uh, you're you're quite right about that format. You know, th- to have a common understanding of what what the group is supposed to be doing. Again, you know, I, I go back to the reflection that small groups, I think, are are just a uh, they're just a synonym for Christian friendship. Uh, but it is because we are fallen, because we are easily distracted, because we are easily consumed by our own stuff, because life is busy, these formats uh, are pretty important. And while it doesn't have to be a formal program, it does seem to me there should be, again, some common understanding. I sort of liken it, Patrick, to, to prayer itself. Jesus commands us in the gospel you know, to pray always, that we are called to be perfect, to be in constant communication with Him. It's hard. It's hard to do. And as we are as we are growing in this perfection of life, it is incredibly important to be very to be very plotting about it and to be very strategic. I will pray in the morning. I'll pray at this particular time. I'll use this particular format. It's all kind of unnatural, you know, for, for something that's supposed to be so it's an easy conversation with God. Yeah. But we need these tools because we don't do it naturally. And until we learn the habit of being a person who is constantly praying, always praying, we have to have these, these exercises to grow these muscles. So too with Christian friendship. These formats, which can seem kind of forced and, and awkward and, and manufactured, they're for a purpose. It's not, it's, it, the law, you know, what does is, what is Jesus say? You know, the law, man is not for the law. The law is for the man. The process is to, is to make it easier. The process is, is to provide a kind of a highway down which one can drive safely and can drive accurately. Uh, so too with these formats of, of small groups, 10 minutes do this, 10 minutes do that, which again, in my mind, sometimes can feel very, very uh, unnatural. But it's important because we have to learn these habits before we can fly. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And also, I think some of these formats can be really helpful if a parish is, say, unfamiliar with uh, with small groups. If it's not something that they naturally do, then there's kind of a there is a, a way of ushering these in that doesn't isn't just like like you were saying, just you know, throw a, a group of people into a room together and saying good luck. You know, that's right, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and there are many people in those. I, I think about the many many folks from our archdiocese who responded in good faith to the archbishop's call. I really want y'all to, to try out a small group. My gosh, we got a lot of a lot of Scandinavian Germans in Minnesota, okay? And the idea of gathering together around a a a, a, a table to talk about you know Jesus and how Jesus makes me feel. You know, you might as well say, you know, I think many of those people probably would prefer to go to a dentist for about four days straight <laughs> than to engage in such an exercise like that. And so, if if you've got a clear format where everybody knows what's going to happen, that mm. can be safer for some people. Yeah. That that can be that can be easier for some people. And if we're trying to facilitate greater participation in this, let's make it as easy for people as we can within limits. There's naturally going to be a part of this. So we'll stretch people, but but 
the understanding of the of the of the format, even the time limit, even the time limit can be important right. to people. You know, I know for a fact I'm going to get out of this group in what an hour and a half or whatever. I know that that that's that's rather valuable, and I I don't begrudge anyone for thinking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good. I, I appreciate that, Father. We're talking about small groups today with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. If you have a testimony of the way a small group has really helped and deepen your relationship with the Lord, if you uh, want to give a shout out to a small group that you're currently involved in, or maybe you have questions about, yeah, is this really is this really for me? Should I be looking into a small group in my parish or how do I get a small group started in my parish? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we're going to continue the conversation right after this short break, talking about small groups with Father John Paul Erickson. We'll be right back after this short break. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers, invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arate program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The End of Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engus are taking your phone calls. We've got our own little small group going on here with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. We're talking about small groups today here on the program. If you have a testimony about how a small group has really helped you grow in the Lord and in the faith, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Rudy calling in from Orange County, California. Rudy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Morning. Have you guys done a Curcio weekend first? You know, Rudy, I actually, I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to say I have not. I've, I've gone to a tech retreat, which I think is a similar format, but never a Curcio. Some of the folks that have gone through it have been trying to get me on one, but, but not yet. I presume that you have. Yes. And what it is, once you go through it, we encourage grouping, which is between four to six. I, sh- I should also say that men do it on one weekend, women do it on another weekend, so they're not together. Yeah. But after that, your format is once you get together, you do the Holy Spirit prayer, and then your four topics that you talk about is action, piety, closest moments, and your study. Mm-hmm. And you share with the group, and as the group goes on, it also gets very personal. And so these are like, what's the closest moment that you had with God? Uh, what are you studying? If you're studying anything, what's your relation? And this is how the group builds up and supports each other. Because we know That's when we come great. down the mountain, we can't do it by ourselves. Amen. No, that's great. I'm, I'm grateful for your sharing. I know many folks have, have been profoundly impacted by Curcio, and it really is a, an essential part of their, their spiritual life. We have a couple of parishioners here who, who really, that, 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 that was life-changing to them and continues to be. So I think many people could benefit from that, and I'm grateful to hear that you certainly did. Mm. Yeah, Rudy, thanks for the shout-out there. Appreciate that. And, uh, I mean, again, just wonderful platform from which to continue on, like you said, Rudy, coming down from the mountaintop, making sure you can't, making sure that everybody knows you can't do that alone. So one of the uh, one of the things that we've been emphasizing throughout the show, yeah, that you can't do it alone. This faith was not meant to be lived alone. Let's go. Thanks for the call, Rudy. Let's now go now to Matt calling in from Reno, Nevada. Matt, welcome to the program. 
All right, thank you. So my question is, how do you find a group where you feel comfortable talking and it's not dominated by one person? <laughs> yeah, Matt, excellent question. Excellent question. I'll begin with the first one, finding a group that you feel comfortable with. You know, the first thing I would do is if, is if someone feels called to really embrace this that doesn't have it yet, ask the Lord. You know, say, Lord, if this is something that you want in my life, please provide this for me. And then i got to continue to look. I think you need to talk to the pastor, your local parish priest, or the minister there that, that, that might be able to give you some recommendations if there are groups already in the parish. And if, if your own individual parish is not offering it, then perhaps there might be a neighboring parish or neighboring uh, Catholic community that has these sorts, of, these sorts of groups. And if they don't, then begin to perhaps approach some of your own, your own friends and just to say, hey, would you guys be interested in meeting every couple of weeks? And, and here's, our, here's what we'll do, but we'll make sure we're talking about serious things. It takes time, uh, and and we have to look for it. And not every group is going to work out. There very well could be a group that you start to be a part of, and and it just doesn't feel right, and it's just not a good fit for a number of reasons. And continue to look, continue to pray. In terms of dominating, excellent question. It certainly does happen. Um, Here's where I think that accountability piece that Patrick mentioned is so important. If we feel that that dynamic is beginning to happen within a group, we got to have the courage to, to, to challenge someone to say, listen, this is not just for you, this is for everyone. And, and if it continues to, to, to perdure, you know, you know there, there may have to be some kind of challenging decisions where someone is asked, we really don't think this is a good group for you. Hopefully that doesn't come, you know, right away. There has to be some discernment, some conversation. Give people the chance to, 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 to fix the, the problem. Many people can fall into that habit without even realizing it of dominating. And it does happen, and it, it needs to be called uh, when it happens. So excellent yeah. questions both. Yeah, Matt, I really appreciate that. In fact, I was thinking I should bring up with you, Father, anyway, some of the challenges that small groups can face. Because newsflash here for you, Father, a small group made up of fallen, sinful human beings, yeah, they, they're they just not perfect. <laughs> you yeah, it's a shocker. I know it's a shocker. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, let's remember that Jesus himself, you know, who called That's right. those, you know, the, the apostles and even that... that inner group of the three, they were, they were pretty fallen themselves, and he still, he still called them together, knowing full well all the complications of what happened. So yeah, there, there are many challenges that can come. First of all, we have to always look at ourselves. You know, am I, am I willing to enter into the lives of these other people? You know, with, and I guess this, this probably should have been said earlier, you know, different as again, d- depending on the stage of the group, how long the group's been together, yeah. the, the different vocations perhaps with, within the group, you know, there has to be certain reasonable limits and boundaries. Um, mm. Again, the vision I'm portraying is that over time, you know, you really begin to share life in very radical ways, sharing real, real soul struggles with other, with other people. But that takes time, and it's not probably appropriate with certain people, even with some, with some small groups. You have to know what the boundaries are, what the limits are. So you have to acknowledge yourself, am I prepared for that? Am I prepared to, to exercise the responsibilities of Christian friendship, to be available, to be present, to be faithful, uh, to be willing to be held accountable? Uh, another challenge is, are we willing, again, to hold other people accountable themselves? And when certain bad behaviors, even if they're unintentional, such as dominating a conversation or always making the group about them or their, you know, their problems, uh, you got to be willing to talk about that and to do it in a, in a healthy, holy way that's not antagonistic. Um, all those things are, are real struggles. And then finally, I promise you, finally, there's just the fact that over time, you know, God, God may very well want you to be in a small group with somebody that your initial thought is, 
you got to be kidding me. This is not going to work. This, this is this is somebody who is so different than me, whose personality is different than me, whose 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 theological ideology is different than me. In my experience, limited as it is, flawed as it is, those are sometimes the best conversations, yeah. the best conversations, because it can open up both of you to a different perspective and open you up to a new way of living the faith even. So um, all those things can be challenges, but they're all worth it for the great good involved. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I have some, I have some follow-up questions, Father, but you know what, for the greater good involved, since you just said that, um, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the phones and we're going to hear from our listeners rather than from me. Let's go to Cornelius calling in from Maui, Hawaii. Cornelius, welcome to the inner life. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Good morning. Morning. Hey. Cornelius, my goodness gracious, I wish I was where you are. It is, it is nine degrees right now where I'm sitting. Where, how, how, what's the weather like there in beautiful Maui? <laughs> Well, it's, it's been nice. It's, you know, we I have a jacket on, but it's about 74 degrees. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your question, brother? All right. Let's go so right to the question. Here. I, I didn't have a question. I just wanted to share uh, share something with you. Um, so what I wanted to share was uh, talking over going on. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we started a small group on Maui about four years ago, and I was listening to uh, Relevant Radio, and the gentleman was sharing about how he, um, you know, invited his friend to a bar to have a beer so he could talk about God because he wanted to do it in a comfortable area. Yeah. Um, Since that, we started a group called Beer Bros in the Book. We were having trouble getting a small group together. There was a lot of disinterest. And then once I started inviting people over to the house, we meet every Tuesday for beer, burgers, and we discuss the weekly readings. And um, that was seemed to be a very uh, comfortable way to get people together. Oh, Cornelius, that's a that's a wonderful story, and uh, kudos to you, major kudos. I, I think those are the sorts of efforts that that will make it easier for people to participate in in a small group. I I couldn't be happier or prouder of that work. So excellent work, and uh, again, think of us here in the Midwest as you as you huddle up with that with that coat at seventy four degrees. Seventy four degrees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like it, Cornelius. Beer bros in the book. There you go. You're just uh, getting people together, and I think there is an element to that right father is that um this is this is meant to be something that is it's lived out as we've said so why not meet in somebody's home and have some burgers and beers with it yeah thousand percent i I know most most pre-support groups that i'm aware of certainly the one that i attended would almost always involve a meal together you know that the meal either would be prepared or more than likely ordered and we have dinner together and then kind of the conversation go from there so it's it's a it's a perfect blending of a meal and a conversation again getting back to the master himself you know what's the preeminent small group meeting format? The yeah. Eucharist yeah. gather around the table, yeah. uh, or or think about another small group, the road to Emmaus. Where, oh, where yeah. does the right. revelation take place? Uh, you know the breaking of the bread. So that happens both supernaturally and on the natural level. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Father, just a couple minutes here before we ask for your blessing to kind of return for, to where we started from about about the community being the place in and in and where we ex, where we encounter the Lord. And Scott has written in with an email uh, with a clarification on that, and I thought this might be a good thing to cap off the show with too. It said, "What did Father mean by Jesus saves us through the church? Doesn't the grace of Jesus save us even while that grace may often and powerfully manifest itself in the church?" Um, so that's his question. He also threw in that he did like the comment about having faith being more than an intellectual exercise and be, by being involved in a small group. So he, he's, yeah, he's asking a, a legitimate question here. Yeah, No, it, it is. And, and I'll try to keep it real brief because it, it's, it's a, it, there's a theological uh, profundity here. You know, we think about the chosen people. We think about the Hebrew people, of which the Catholic Church is the fulfillment of. How were they saved? They were saved by bring, be, belonging to a chosen people. So too with the church. The church is founded upon a community, the, the community of the apostles, and the the church has been entrusted with the grace of Calvary to, you might say, administer those graces through the sacramental life of the church. These of God is never bound by a sacraments. He can work outside of it, certainly. But when we are baptized, we're baptized not just into Jesus, but into the mystical body of Christ, which is the church herself. This is part of the whole mystery of salvation. We are bonded together, not just with Jesus, but with one another, especially within the household of faith. The church has always understood herself to be a people, to be a community, um, and that is massively important. It, it, we have access to the Lord. The, Jesus becomes a contemporary to us through the contemporary church, through the church here and now, the mystical body of Christ, which is a family of families. And uh, the communal nature of, of salvation is, is radically important. We as Catholics especially have to retrieve that. I think it's something which, not to get too far off a tangent, but the Second Vatican Council is trying to draw us back to was the communal nature of salvation. And a lot of renewal could happen if that idea spread and was better understood. And what a better way to do it than through a ministry of small groups. I mean, how, how getting together with others and growing and loving together. Well, Father, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for all the wisdom and the insight. May we have a blessing from you, please. Of course, Patrick, to the intercession of our Blessed Mother. May Almighty God bless all you listeners, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So grateful to have Father Erickson with us again. If you have missed any portion of the show and would like to go back and listen to it again, you can always find us online at relevantradio.com slash innerlife. Also check out relevantradio.com slash travel for travel packages to the National Eucharistic Congress this summer. Help revitalize your and your parish's devotion to our Lord in and through the Eucharist. Coming up tomorrow on the program, studying as a road to holiness. So kind of related to what we were talking about today. Study as a road to holiness with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley. Coming up next is the Mass with our celebrant, Father Mark Malezova. Until next time, grace and peace.